Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and thank you for listening this morning. Well, I hope you listened to last week's show on the deity of Christ, and even the week before that we talked about the Trinity, some intense theological meat there to devour, and I hope you got into it and enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. And today I kind of wanted to take that to the next level as I thought about what to talk about this week, and as I prayed about what to talk about this week, I kind of came to the conclusion that we've talked a whole lot about a lot of the evidence for about three years here on the show. The show focuses on apologetics, on defending the Christian faith, and that's again what that word means. And so we share a lot of evidence, and we share a lot of reasons to believe, and I try really hard to put all the information out there. And as I thought about all this, I was reminded of R.C. Sproul's quote on this topic. And R.C. Sproul says that there are three components to faith. There is first being made aware of the information, right? So being presented the information. Second, he says, there's another component, and that's being convinced of the information. So it's not enough just to be made aware of the information, but you must be convinced of it as well. He goes, that's good, but there's still a third component that's necessary for faith. It's not just knowing the information. It's not just being convinced of the information, but it's actually taking a step and owning that. It's deciding once and for all to buy into it. It's saying, I believe it's true. I've been convinced that it's true. And now I'm going to actually live like it is true. Now that's a big step. So as I evaluated the last three years of this show, it came to me that we've done a whole lot of presenting you with information. And I've done the best job I can to convince you of that information. If you're still unconvinced, keep listening. We'll keep going into all the different evidence week after week after week. I would also encourage you to get your hands on some good books. You could check out I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Geisler and Turek. All that being said, I think after three years, we've shared plenty of information to convince the average person of the reliability and trustworthiness of the Bible and Christianity as a whole. Just to recap it, I believe that you can know confidently that there is a God because everything that you see around you came into existence a finite time ago from nothing. And that can't happen out of nothing. It requires a divine beginning, a supernatural source. Also, the fine-tuning of this universe that you see all around you, the natural laws that are never broken, and all that you see and how it was directly designed for you and I, life itself, human beings, ourselves, designed so intricately, and that design always implies a designer. Beyond that, we know that there are moral truths and that there are moral falsehoods. We know some things are right and some things are wrong, and outside of a supernatural objective standard, there can't be real right or real wrong. It would all just be subjective, but we know that's not true. We know that murder is wrong and that hate's wrong, and we know that altruism and love are good. We know those things. That's because there is a standard that is greater than our own selves, and that standard is God. This is the moral argument for God's existence. Beyond that, we have the person of Jesus Christ, and again, I talked last week about the deity of Christ. Here we have 
a perfect person coming and living a perfect life on this earth, God in human flesh, dying for our sins on the cross, and then rising again, and the evidence confirms that he rose from the dead. This is unfathomable. That tells us that there is a God, and he came to this earth as Jesus Christ. Beyond that, we can know that the Bible is trustworthy because of so many different features. For one, it is prophetic. There are countless hundreds, even a couple thousand, some would say, prophecies, which have been fulfilled in the Old and New Testaments in incredible detail. And since it is prophetic and no other text is, I believe the Bible has God's fingerprints all over it. It's also historically accurate. We can look at times and places and people and events that are described in the Bible, and archaeology always supports those facts. So it's archaeologically correct. Beyond that, it isn't full of contradictions like some people would say. Some would say the Bible is full of contradictions. Well, we know that is not the case, and anybody that has looked into it a little bit will get to the bottom of it and find out those contradictions aren't really there. They might appear to that to our 21st century American mindsets, but as we look at what's going on and as we look at the language and as we look at the culture, we see that those are easily explained. Beyond all of that, we see that the Bible is translated correctly. A lot of people say you can't trust the Bible because it's been translated all these different ways. Who knows what was originally said? We know that's not the case because we can go back to a huge number of early documents that tell us exactly what was originally written. So we can trust what we have today is accurate. Finally, the scientific statements in the Bible just blow my mind. They're all over the place. Things like the beginning of the universe, things like the expansion of the universe, things like radioactivity, things like the second law of thermodynamics, all right there written thousands of years ago in the Bible. And all this together tells me there is a God, and he is the God of the Bible. And I've done my best to try and make that case to you on this show. Now, I want to take the next step. I've presented you with the information. I've tried to convince you of the information. And now, I want to bring you to a point of making a decision concerning this information. Like R.C. Sproul would say, it goes beyond just knowing it. It goes beyond just believing it. It comes to a point of actually owning it. And so that's what I'm asking you today, based on all the evidence that we've shared the last three years, to come to a point, if you haven't already, of owning this information, of making this your own and saying, I am ready to surrender my life to Jesus Christ, knowing that he is who he says he is and that he can offer what he claims he can offer. Now, every week I do end the show with a short invitation like that one. But it's always short and it's always rushed. And I don't have the time to really implore you to make a leap of faith, as some would say. I would say it's not a leap. Rather, it's a confident step of faith. But I never have the time to actually walk you through taking that step of faith based on all this evidence like I'd like to. And so today I kind of want to focus on that. So as we begin thinking about taking this confident step of faith based on the evidence that we've shared the last few years, I want to remind you of 10 great reasons to put your faith in Christ. I shared these on a God Solution show a couple of years ago. I'm going to briefly summarize them again today. That show got more heated and negative response than most do. I know that as soon as you put the ball in people's courts and tell them that 
they must make a decision about Jesus. People are quick to get offended. I know there was some nasty email after that show, but I hope you will take this for what it's worth and not respond that way to it. But here are 10 great reasons based on the evidence. Once you've been presented with the evidence, here are 10 great reasons to put your trust in Christ. And I'm going to go from 10 to number one. So starting with number 10, you have no better option. I mean, frankly, nobody else has ever beat death and promised to do it for you. No one else who's ever promised you eternal life actually conquered death themselves. Jesus is the only qualified person in the history of this universe to make that kind of a promise. So reason number 10 to trust Christ, you have no better option. Nobody else is even making a claim like this. He not only makes it, but he's backed it up by actually conquering death himself. Reason number nine, you'll have help to become the person that you know you should be. We all fall far short of what we know we need to be in life. We all fail to meet our own standards day after day after day. The Bible tells us that when you put your trust in Christ, God's Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you, and he changes you from the inside out. So it's not just trying harder the way you've done year after year and failed year after year, but it's actually just allowing him to change you from the inside out. So reason number nine to put your trust in Christ, you'll have help to become the person that you know you should be. Reason number eight to find a relationship with Christ today is you'll find the forgiveness that you're looking for. We all have regrets in our past and we all have issues that we wish weren't there. Everybody has those. Only in Christ do we have the promise of complete forgiveness. Only in Christ do we have the promise that your sins will be removed from you as far as the East is from the West. No other religion promises that. No other worldview promises that. All the other perspectives say you'll have to work through all that junk. Jesus says, come to me, outcast it as far as the East is from the West. Reason number seven to put your trust in Christ, you'll experience true peace. The Bible says that you'll experience a peace that surpasses understanding. This is more than anything around you can possibly give you. There's no drug that can give you a peace that surpasses understanding. There's no quantity of alcohol that can give you that kind of peace. These self-medications can numb the pain for a little while, but it is just that much worse at the end. With Jesus, it's different. We get real peace, and that is a good reason to put your trust in him. Reason number six, you'll find answers to life's biggest questions. Nobody else has answers to life's biggest questions. In Christ, we have answers to those existential questions. Why am I here? Where did I come from? How should I live? What comes after I die? We have good answers to those. And again, they are confirmed with the evidence. Reason number five, to put your trust in Christ, he'll find fulfillment in him. Jesus promised that if you put your trust in him, you'll experience an abundant life here on this planet. And by abundant, I don't just mean that you'll be a millionaire. What I mean is that you'll have a life of meaning and significance because the God of the universe will be living in you and living through you, making a difference through you in every area of your life. Reason number four to put your trust in Christ, you'll have a hope that nothing and no one can take away. No matter what bad circumstance you could ever go through, you know that scripture says that God will work everything for the good of those who love him. 
No matter how much pain and suffering you might ever encounter, you know that there is an eternity in heaven to look forward to. No matter what goes on around you in this world, you'll know that God can engineer those circumstances and situations for his glory and for your purpose. So you'll have a hope that no one and nothing can take away from you. Reason number three to put your trust in Christ. You'll experience the love you've always longed for. All of us long to be loved. There's no one alive that does not want to be loved. Yet so many of us live day after day after day after day in loneliness. When I talk to students on campus, I see so much loneliness, so much hopelessness, so much despair and sadness and depression, stress, anxiety, worry. So many people are alone and they're laughing on the outside but crying on the inside. This is sad and Jesus offers true unconditional love regardless of your past. Reason number two, to put your trust in Christ, you'll be confident of the eternal life that he promises. I know that when I die, I will go to be with him in heaven. That's not because I am quick to fantasize about the afterlife. The biggest doubt that I've ever dealt with in my personal life is that of death. And it's hard for me with my natural background and the sciences, my undergraduate education as a chemist, it's hard for me, based on that naturalistic foundation, if you will, to really emotionally wrap my mind around eternal life. It's hard for me to grasp that. Yet in Christ, we're promised that, and because he does not lie, and because his word is confirmed in every other way, and because he did beat death, I can be confident that no matter how hard it is for me to emotionally grasp it, I trust that he is telling me the truth when he says that if I believe in him, he will give me everlasting life and raise me up. So you can be confident that when you die, you'll experience an eternity with him in heaven. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what he's done. Okay, finally, the number one reason to put your trust in Christ, well, you'll be following the truth. And this is so significant. What I've done on this show is I've tried to share the information with you and convince you of the information. And the reality is that this is trustworthy and this is true. We can know confidently that Jesus really is who he says he is and that he can really offer you what he says he can offer you. He is the truth like he himself said, and there is no other truth outside of him. When you come to him, you'll actually be following the truth and you'll actually be living the life that you were intended to live from the moment that you were created. So those are 10 good reasons to trust Christ. And all of those are based in a knowledge of the truth of Christianity and all that the Bible claims. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I've spent the last three years going over all the different evidence for faith in Christ. And based on that, I think a good decision is to take that confident step of faith. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM in Durango and KDUR.org online. Thank you so much for listening. I'm kind of doing an interesting recap show from the last three years. I began the show talking about how over the last three years I've shared a lot of information and a lot of evidence for the trustworthiness of Christian faith, for the reliability of the Bible. And what I wanted to do is take you from there to a point of actually coming to a decision. 
saying I've heard the evidence, I've become convinced of the evidence, and now I'm going to take a step of faith and put my faith in Jesus Christ. I do try to close out every show sharing this opportunity, but today I wanted to really focus on it and give it the time that it deserves. So what does Jesus say? We've spent all this time showing that he is trustworthy and that we can really believe the Bible. So what does Jesus really say? Well, Jesus says that he loves you and that he desires a personal relationship with you. Jesus says, and I'm quoting, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. All who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the darkness. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. So here is Jesus, God of the universe, living on earth as a human, God in human flesh, and he tells you, I love you. And he tells you, follow me. You'll never thirst again. You'll never hunger again. You'll never stumble through the darkness again. Follow me and I will give you true life. Follow me and I will give you an abundant life. He says, you're carrying heavy burdens. All that stress and anxiety that I mentioned previously, he says, bring it to me. I'll take it off your back. I'll carry it for you. This is the God of the universe telling you how much he loves you. Telling you that only he can take your burdens off your back. Telling you that only he can satisfy you. Telling you that only he can shine the light on your path that you desperately need in this dark world. Telling you, ultimately, that he created you for a relationship with himself. That he created you to show you his love. That he created you to be able to love him back in a relationship. A few weeks ago, I talked about the Trinity, and I talked about how Jesus in John 17 prayed that you and I would have the same unity together and with him that he enjoys with the Father. He desires that the closeness that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have enjoyed together, the intimacy that they've enjoyed together for all of eternity, God desires that incredible intimacy, that incredible closeness with you today. That's beyond belief that the God of the universe would love me and you that way. And again, no other worldview, no other religion says anything close to that. Jesus doesn't end there. It'd be great if it just ended there, but there's a big problem. And that problem is that you and I are very sinful. And unfortunately, our sin keeps us from the relationship and purpose that God designed us for. Our sin separates us from a perfect God. God is perfectly loving. I am selfish. God has never, ever, ever lied. I have. God has never been jealous in a sinful way. I have. Now, I say in a sinful way because God says that he's jealous for you in a loving way. He desires more than anything in all of creation to have that relationship with you. God is perfect. I am not perfect. And perfection can't be perfectly unified with imperfection and continue being perfect. So because of my sin, I'm separated eternally from God if that sin is undealt with. So Jesus says, sin is unbelief in me. 
For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. So Jesus puts it very bluntly. He says, yes, you are a sinner. And that sin does manifest itself in all these outward ways, like evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. But the real core issue with your sin is unbelief in him, he says. It's choosing not to trust in him. He says, Everyone in that position is a slave to sin. In other words, they can't help but sin. Everything they do every day is selfishly motivated. Everything they do every day fails to meet God's perfect standard. Even the good things that they do, the Bible says, are like filthy rags because even my best falls far short of God's standard. So here we are, loved by God, who desires a relationship with us, yet sinful and separated from him without any hope whatsoever of ever achieving a relationship with him on our own. That is a very, very, very bad place to be. Once I shared that with somebody and he said, wow, if that is true, why are you Christians always so happy? Because that's terrible news. And I said, well, it doesn't end there. Thankfully, it gets a whole lot better. And that comes to the reality that Jesus is your only hope. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. So Jesus says, yes, I love you. Yes, you're sinful, but I made a way for your sin. Because he loved you, he says he laid down his life for you. He took the punishment that you and I deserved. Because he loved you, he laid down his life for you. And now he says, if you will put your faith in him, he'll raise you up on that last day. He says, in fact, that if you will put your faith in him, that very instant you'll pass from death to life. That it isn't something that you can just look forward to in the future, but the second you put your trust in him, you've been adopted into his family. You've passed from death into life, and you now have eternal life in him. This is a promise beyond anything I could imagine. And that culminates in the decision that I began the show saying that I wanted to bring you to today. And that's the decision to choose whether you'll receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. When Elijah was on Mount Carmel, he told those that were listening, he said, either God is God or he's not. And if he is, follow him. And that's kind of what I'm saying today. Either he's true or he's not. I can share all the evidence in the world week after week after week. Either it's true or it's false. And if it's true, I can't just live my life without making a decision concerning all this evidence, concerning all that Jesus says. So on this topic, Jesus says, turn from your sins and believe this good news. We've shared some great news here. Jesus says, turn from your sins and believe this good news. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. 
When we get to this point, I always ask people, do you think you've ever heard Jesus knocking on your heart, trying to get your attention? I talked with a young guy this past week who I had previously talked to about God, and he definitely had more of an atheistic perspective. And he told me that recently God got his attention and gave him a profound sense of cosmic humility in his words. That was one example of what I would call Jesus knocking on the door of your life. And this has happened to almost everybody I know. You know that there have been times where God himself interacted with you in a personal way trying to get your attention. Now I want to ask you to say, Jesus, I open the door. Jesus says, I'm knocking, and if you open the door, I'll come in. He says, turn from your sins and believe this good news. It really boils down to this. He's knocking, and he's saying, will you turn from your sins? Will you believe this good news? Will you surrender your life to me, inviting me to be your Savior and Lord? And he says, when you do that, when you take that step, when you put your faith in him, you really are adopted into his family, guaranteed an eternity with him in heaven, and a life of abundance and meaning here on this planet. So do you want to open the door? Do you hear him knocking? The Bible tells you exactly how you can open the door. The Bible says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I believe that after all the evidence we've shared on this show, I hope that you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. If you still struggle with that, go back and check out some of our interviews with Dr. Gary Habermas and hear some of the evidence for the resurrection. You could also check out our recent interview with Dr. Michael Lacona, who talked about that same issue. All that being said, I hope that you can confidently believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he died for your sins and conquered death to give you life. Now, based on that belief... The next step is to confess with your mouth, surrendering your life verbally to Christ, asking him to be your Savior and Lord, making a decision of your will. You can do that right now. The Bible says that it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. If you recognize that sin has separated you from God, and if you're ready to surrender your life to him, asking him to take control and to come into your life, putting your faith in him, recognizing him as Lord, you can do that right now. You can receive Christ and his forgiveness for your sins right now by putting your faith and trust in him and inviting him to take control of your life through prayer. This is not some kind of a magic trick. Praying a prayer doesn't solve anything in and of itself. This is really making a decision and verbally confessing that to God. You can do that right now, praying something like, Jesus, I realize you want a personal relationship with me. I know I am a sinner and that my sins and selfishness keep me from you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising again to give me new life. I surrender myself to you. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Give me a new life and be my Savior and Lord. Thank you. I hope that if you've never taken that step, based on all the evidence that we've shared over the last few years, that you would take that step today. And I know that there's no better decision you could ever make. And that's just the beginning of so much that God has in store for you. If you do make that decision, I'd love to hear about it. You could go to GodSolutionShow.com 
Again, that's godsolutionshow.com. And use the contact form there to shoot me a message and let me know that you made a decision to trust Christ. I'd love to stay in touch and give you some great ways that you could continue growing in your walk with him. One great way to continue growing in that walk would be to join a local body of believers this morning, a local fellowship, a church. You could go to GodSolutionShow.com and see a list of churches, and included there you'll find times and places that they meet. And you could visit one of those churches this morning and grow in your faith. I would also like to invite you to connect this week. We're going to be meeting Tuesday at 6 p.m. at Noble 125. Again, that's Tuesday at 6 p.m. at Noble 125. We'll have pizza there a little early at 5.30, and we'll be having fun hanging out afterwards as well. So Tuesday, 6 p.m., Noble 125. I hope that you join us. If you have anything you'd like to discuss on the show, I'd love to talk about it. You could go to God Solution Show again and let me know what you think. You could leave your comments, and you could tell me things that you'd like us to discuss on the air, and I'd love to get to some of that. Well, as we close out the show, I want to close with something that I say every single week, and it's something that I believe with all of my heart. And as we talk about taking that step and putting your faith in Christ, it's relevant as you consider that step as well. And that's the reality that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. That's my hope that you'll find him this morning. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Sunday. Go Broncos. I got a strong